is it that you guys want? What, what is it that's going to satisfy you? The Seahawk fan. What is going to satisfy you? What do you need? What are you looking for? Is anything less than a juggernaut, uh, you know, blowing everybody out of the stadium, uh, undefeated, record-breaking, Super Bowl, uh, beast mode, earthquake, you know, football team? Is anything less than that um, just unacceptable for you? What's going on, everybody? This is Robert English, your SoCal Seahawk, and thank you for joining me on this week five, uh, excuse me, week four post-game edition of uh, Short Yardage. And um, I'm that, that's really my question, is, is, is what is, uh, what is, wh what do you need to see? What do you need to see from the Seattle Seahawks football team that's going to satisfy you? All I see out there is um, is comments and and this and that about how terrible the Seahawks defense is and how this team, you know, is 4-0, but who cares? Because the goal is not to be 4-0. The goal is to win a Super Bowl, and this team is not going to do it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I just can't help but ask, what do you want to see? It, it, I, I've always, well, not, I shouldn't say always, but I've been saying for a while now that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the, the, the person who knows football knows that, it, you know, success comes in, you know, ebbs and flows, right? And sometimes it's, sometimes it's, you're down, sometimes you're up. Uh, the ups aren't always the same. The downs aren't always so bad, but this I feel like the Seahawk fan, and I, I dare to say even probably a more of the newer Seahawk fan or the less serious football, the less football serious Seahawk fan, realistic maybe, um, has been treated um, to this world of Seahawk football um, that is just uh, all, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, and, and tulips and, and roses. Uh, because a lot of a lot, you know, Seahawk football was always what it was. But, you know, with the with with the Mike Holmgren era and then the Pete Carroll era, there's a there's there's a pretty that's a pretty good amount of time there where a lot of fans came on. Um, and, you know, we've had some really good success for a while now. Um, and they don't know how to lose. I feel like a lot of Seahawk fans don't know what it's like to not be the best fans like myself um you know who were there for you know for the uh the 2 and 14 season and and you know and and you know for their there for the Rick Myers you know and the you know the Brian Bosworths and you know those teams that were you know not not that great through the 90s you know who, but who we found love for. We who we found love for our Chris Warrens and our Brian Blades. You know we found we found love for our Eugene Robinsons and our Cortez Kennedys. 
You know, we, 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 uh, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not leaving out, you know, Steve Largent, but that, you know, Largent was, you know, even, even for me, you know, I, when I, I'm, I'm 37 years old. So Largent was near the end when I even was able to start watching football. Um, but I recognize, recognize Steve Largent, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, when you went through that era of football, you recognize that this era of football means so much, but you don't have a problem with not being the 2013-14 Seahawks. I have no problem not being that Seahawk team. I have no problem with that. That team, people, it, that, that was a historically great team. People quit expecting those historically great numbers. You need only expect to see your team perform well enough to win a football game. That's all you need to expect to see. Anything more than that is icing on the cake. We're still talking about how good the defense is not. And granted, we have some holes to fix. You can always do better. Even when we were killing teams, 2012, 2013, 2014, even when we were killing them, we were still finding reasons to complain. We were still talking about, oh, if we can fix this, if we can fix that. Whenever we lost a game, even though we didn't lose that many, when we did, we talked about the holes we could fix. There's always room for improvement, but we are four and oh. And don't tell me we haven't played anybody. Okay, that Atlanta team is offensively, uh, a, 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 a fit to, to, for, for any defense to, to try to handle. The New England Patriots are going to be a contender this season in the AFC. Dallas is going to be a contender in the NFC. And Miami, you know, they, they may or may not actually do anything big this year, but they've got uh, a, a roster full of some uh, full of some guys, you know, who, who, who like to make plays. And, and, and they got Fitz Magic out there who can do, do great things, do magical things, right? Um, you know, he's, he's, he's proven time and time again. But what we have consistently done in Seattle is come out there this season for four games now we've played great offense and played defense well enough there's no more cam chancellor there's no more richard sherman there's no earl thomas there's no there's no uh byron maxwell there's there's no um uh you know um gosh i hate when i can't find my names um brandon browner you know there's those guys are gone that defense is gone. And we're making do with what we got. And we've got some guys that are making plays. Jamal Adams is going to make plays for this team as soon as he gets back healthy. I mean, even considering that, we've lost three guys from our defense that were supposed to be difference makers. And we're still undefeated. We're still 4-0. Like, I just don't understand what it is that everybody wants to see. They want to see just like this team that is on, you know, infallible you know they don't they don't want to see any mistakes they want there's no margin for error and that's just not realistic it's just not realistic so the seahawks went into miami on uh sunday morning if you're on the west coast and uh took care of the miami dolphins um 
It was a good game, 31-23 the final. And you want to talk about how bad the defense is. How about we didn't give up a touchdown in the entire game until, until garbage time? Pretty much, right? Field goals. We look, there's a there's the whole bend but don't break concept is thrown around a lot. And some people say if you live by it, you die by it or whatever. But we were that. Yeah, we gave up yards in the middle of the field, but all game long until the end, basically, we kept them out of the end zone. We held them to field goals. Now, unfortunately, our um our uh our offense you know, didn't really get going as good as we'd like to see them until later in the game as well. So those field goals were keeping them around. Um, but uh, holding an, an NFL offense out of the end zone all game long until until the until the the bitter end, um, you can't say that that's not a good defense. You can't say, and, you, and you're not going to sit there and try to tell me that Miami's offense is not good enough to score touchdowns because we've already seen that they are. This Seattle defense has close. I'm not sure what we are after after uh, the the Miami game, but going into the Miami game, we were the number two run defense in football. The the if, if you if you consider both the off the running defense and the passing defense, okay, we were the number nine. I believe now we're the number nine defense in football. All of the yards against us are on the are in the pass. But we're also playing from ahead. So teams are throwing more on us. Teams are throwing a whole lot more. Each one of the quarterbacks we've played against this year has thrown the ball close to 50 times. So, of course, the numbers are going to be skewed. 31-23, the final uh, another, you know, good game. Uh, upsetting that Russell Wilson threw that interception that he threw in the end zone. That was probably the first bad pass Russell Wilson has thrown all season long. Um, you know, four games in, he finally throws one bad pass and it gets picked off. Um, it was a great play by by the defender. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was unfortunate because I think it kind of kind of took us off the rails a little bit. I think that we would have been on the way to you know you know, just rolling Miami at that point. How had we score there? Um, no penalties. No penalties in the game. I mean, and that's not even a Seahawk trait. Penalties, penalties have been our Achilles heel for a long time. No penalties in this game. Huge deal. Huge deal. We have, we're, we're consistent and we're efficient. That is the recipe for success. Forget all this talk about passing yardage. Um, Chris Carson came out in that game, ran uh, 16 times for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Now, I had said previously that I was hoping that Chris Carson would not play. I didn't like the fact that they were talking about that he might play. And then he went out there and started and went out there and ran uh, hard AF. And, um, and more power to him. Um, I think he got he got clocked one time and 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 fumbled the football um, and um, I, I thought he was hurt I don't know what, what the situation was um, and I was like see he shouldn't have been out there anyway but uh, Chris Carson went out there and played his tail off and so hats off to Chris Carson um, I, I guess his knee wasn't as bad as you know a lot of a lot of people thought it was uh, so thank goodness there 
Um, but Chris Carson was running harder than ever in that Miami game. So um, it looks like we need not concern ourselves with the health of Chris Carson at this point. Um, conversely, I'm starting to have second thoughts about uh, Travis Homer. I don't know what it is. When I, when I see him flash, I think that he has a lot of potential. Uh, I, I I see the way he runs, and I'm thinking, okay, he can. He, like this Homer kid, he's got some speed. Uh, I think he can do good, you know, once he gets his reps in. But every time it seems, I don't know if it's just because of the opportunities that he's getting and the reps that he's getting in the game, and the, the you know situationally, I mean. But every time he touches the ball, he's getting stuffed. Every time he touches the ball, he's getting. Just it, it, I feel like he's just not seeing the play appropriately and he's picking the wrong direction to go, picking the wrong hole or 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 maybe he just doesn't doesn't have that it factor. I don't know. I'm assuming these aren't just throwaway plays that we give the ball to Travis Homer. Um, you know, I, I really want to see something good from Homer because I believe that he has this potential, but he's left a lot to be desired um, from my standpoint up up to this point and and I was gonna say um before that you know his uh you know as a return man he's okay but he kind of scared me in the return game um you know on Sunday against Miami as well so I don't know what's up with Homer um I would like to see him perform better um and we'll have to wait and see what's gonna happen there because we saw a kid named DJ Dallas who I felt even though he didn't you know he didn't get a lot of snaps he didn't do didn't have a lot of overall production, but with the ball in his hands, I felt like DJ Dallas looked pretty good. And honestly, I haven't seen a whole lot of tape on this kid. Um, so watch out, Travis Homer. I I think DJ Dallas, um, you know, actually might be pretty good. Um, I like the way he ran. I think he ran with power. I think he uh he ran with uh determination. I like the way he changed direction. Um he looks strong. He looks strong. So I'm looking forward to seeing more DJ Dallas. Um, back to the defense for a second. Um, again, we held the running game down for the most part. I think Miami ran for almost 100 yards as a team. Um, their starting running back uh, had... Um, uh, I think it's Gaskin had a uh, 40 yards on 10 carries. So, I mean, he was right at four yards a carry, uh, but as a team, uh, and you know what? And Miami's rushing numbers were skewed because Fitzpatrick ran the ball six times himself for 47 yards. Um, so you remove that and, you know, we have them as a team, uh, you know, under four yards a carry, I think well under. So uh, again, defense doing what it does best, which is just completely holding down the run. Um, Fitzpatrick had 315 yards passing. Um, you know, we picked him off twice. That defense, I said last week, our defense is holding teams, uh, is playing well in the red zone. Okay. They're giving up yards, yards between the twenties. Grant, I know, I know we're scoring, they're scoring against us. Um, but I mean, look at, you know, how, how they're actually getting in the end zone. The Dallas game had a couple of big plays. Uh, New England had, you know, Cam Newton, you know, the Cam Newton effect. So that was a little bit different. Um, but, um, 
we picked off. You know, we're 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 doing we're giving up yards in the middle, but we're playing well when he when when it gets into the green or the red zone, however you want to call it, and um and we're opportunistic. We're making the opportunistic play. Namely, we got to look at talk. We got to talk about this Ryan Neal kid. Ryan Neal has been getting a lot of um attention since Sunday morning and. I would like to talk about him because I think we run the risk of going the way of the kid um, from New England who ruined our 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 second Super Bowl in a row. Mister uh, was not Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler made the play of his career in the Super Bowl against our Seattle Seahawks, and. Off the off the strength of that play, got himself uh, a contract. I think he ended up going. Where did he end up going? I forgot where he went next. Tennessee or something. Um, but anyway, off the, off the strength of that play, got himself some pretty good notoriety, and people thought that Malcolm Butler was all of a sudden a great corner. Malcolm Butler is an average corner at best, and that has been proven over the last so many years. Um, I'm not even sure where Malcolm Butler, you know, finds himself at this at this moment. Um, I'm concerned that we're going to run into that problem with Ryan Neal. Now, Ryan Neal has shown some he's flashed. He made the play against Dallas, um, you know, on basically the last play of the game when Dak Prescott hucked the ball into the end zone um, and Ryan Neal came down with it. Not exactly a Richard Sir, Richard Sherman esque play. Okay, it was more situation that, that that was more opportunity. You know, like I said, opportunistic. He was already back there. The ball was hucked up, and you know, best man. You know, it's it's it's, it's a you know it's a flies up. Remember that game flies up we played when we were kids, and he was the best one in position for it. Interception. Okay, not exactly you know playing a receiver. He wasn't he wasn't on an island, right? Um. Against Miami on Sunday, a ball got tipped up into the air and it came right to him. Now, making the play, there's something to be said for that. Uh, what I really enjoyed was the hit that he put on Gas. I think it was Gaskin. Um, was it Breida? No, I think it was Gaskin uh, on a on a swing pass, or I think it might have actually been a screen. Uh, first or second quarter, um, and I mean he laid the wood on Gaskin. Um, I was very concerned there. I thought they were going to call a um, unnecessary reference call on that on that play, but um, that's what I like to see. Um, I want to see tackling. I think this kid. He, they they say you know according to you know the reports is that he was getting ready to quit football. In his interview, I think it was on NFL Network. He thought about quitting football after you know trying out for multiple teams, being on practice squads, getting cut multiple times. He considered that, you know, maybe football wasn't for him. Maybe this uh, just wasn't meant to be um, and thought about quitting. It was thinking about it up to it and up to, you know, right up to the Dallas game when he got his first interception. He got, he got his opportunity to play with Jamal Adams being hurt. And uh, he's, now he's on the field playing for a Super Bowl contender. And he got an interception. And the next game, he gets another interception. Now he's, he's getting confidence. So, Let's see who Ryan Neal is before we start talking about how great Ryan Neal is. I'm not trying to down talk the guy. I'm just saying let's not 
get all excited because we probably stand a chance of being underwhelmed, more underwhelmed than overwhelmed by this kid. I'm hoping, I, I, I'm wishing the best for him. I hope he turns into, you know, Richard Sherman, you know, part two. But, you know, I'm not going to put all my, uh, you know, eggs in that basket, right? Let me see him lock down, um, not even the team's best receiver, just just a receiver. Let me let, let me see him put up some, you know, some serious, um, you know, put, put up some put some serious work in on somebody, um, and then we'll talk. And then we'll talk. Uh, I think his, you know, his um, his stats, you know, as a corner are actually really good in the two games that he's played in. But uh, again, I I just gotta I'm I'm just not gonna you know pack all my bags and put all my stuff on this boat until I see a little bit more. But Ryan Neal looks good. He apparently has been being uh he's been he's been getting uh, coached up by Cam Chancellor, which you know, which is a which is not bad, not a bad thing. Out any if Cam Chancellor wants to coach up any of our guys, I think it's a good idea. DK Metcalf is leading the league in receiving yards. Technically co-leading the lead. Uh, leading the league uh, with uh, Stefan Diggs. Our DK Metcalf. Uh, we have, a, I mean, we have a league leading receiver on the Seattle Seahawks. This is a big deal. Um, DK Metcalf is, is, is showing that he's going to be a force no matter what, no matter against whatever defense you want to put him on, um, you know, against new England, he made mincemeat of their defensive player of the year. Um, okay, so forget about it. DK Metcalf's going to be there. And I, I think this offense is really, I don't want to use the word unstoppable. We're only four games in. But it would seem that they took away Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett, it took a while for him to even get his targets. He even had one drop. Um, they, they, were, they, were, they were on Lockett. The, the, the ball that Lockett dropped um, was a third down play. Great play by uh, Wilson, um, stepping up in the pocket, avoiding a sack, and hit uh, Lockett right in the numbers. But it was in between two Miami defenders. They were on him. But what happened? DK Metcalf had a day. Had a, had a day. Not only did DK Metcalf have a day, let's talk about David Moore. David Moore, three catches, 95 yards on a touchdown, and he just seems to come up money every single time Russell throws the ball to him. If David Moore stays this consistent, look at what we have. Remember, they still talk about the narrative with Russell Wilson and why Russell is so great, and we'll talk more about Russell Wilson in a minute, but the reason they say Russell is so great is because he does so much with so little, right? But maybe, maybe that's not so fair to say anymore. Is it possible that it's not fair to talk about how good Russell is because he does so much with so little? Um, because our receivers are good. They, 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 they said our receivers were no good for a long. Look at Golden Tate. Golden Tate is still doing his thing in this league. Okay. Um, they said, they said that, you know, he was a pedestrian, he was part of the pedestrian receivers, right? Doug Baldwin, 
Pedestrian receiver. Easily one of the best receivers Seattle Seahawks have ever had. Pedestrian. Right? Uh, Sidney Rice even for a while. Um, still, you know, Sidney Rice was a, a great receiver when he was with us, but uh, or before he came to us, he was considered one of the better receivers in the league. But we came to Seattle and he was, he was kind of forgotten about. Um, but uh, DK Metcalf is showing that he's a beast. Tyler Tyler Lockett is showing that you he that he almost can't be guarded. And now David Moore is coming up clutch. He's a clutch receiver. So. If you ask me, it sounds like Seattle has a pretty decent receiving core. I talked with my guys in Seattle Sports Union. Make sure you check in to Seattle Sports Union. That's seattlesportsunion.com on the web. uh, At Seattle Sports Union on um, uh, Twitter. Check us out. All things Seattle Sports uh, from the Mariners to the Mist. And, of course, our Seahawks. Check out myself there. Also, Abraham DeWeese and the rest of the team with our um, unlicensed professional opinion. Um, but we talked about on the, on the SSU podcast about you got to have a third guy. You got to have that third guy. Is two guys enough? Well, first of all, not many teams have – a few teams don't even have one great receiver, let alone two. But who's the third guy? Well, David Moore appears to be a very, very, very clutch option. Um you take away Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf, and then David Moore, who's coming up big. Freddie Swain is making plays, right? Russell has nothing but options. The tight end position, Greg Olson. Okay, so um, it, it's it's it, I I think this Seahawk offense has all of the options, all of the weapons that you might say a prolific offense has. We just are having trouble switching the narrative. We're having trouble shifting the narrative to talk about the Seahawks in that way because we're just not used to it. We're just not used to it. And 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 maybe and maybe it's a Seattle Seattle Seahawks fan issue as well because maybe we like being the underdog, right? Don't we like being the underdog? I know I do. I I I like being the as long as you win. I like winning as the underdog. I like the fact that even though we were so good and winning game after game after game, um, you know, people were still doubting the Seahawks. It was it was great when we were winning and winning and winning, but still, you know, still being doubted. This Sunday night we got a big game against the Minnesota Vikings, and uh many will say the first true test of uh this season for the seattle seahawks um i don't necessarily agree with that it's definitely going to be a test because our uh our we know that we know the situation with the passing game but the running game excuse me we know the situation with the passing defense the pass defense but um the run defense has been spot on all year long uh, we've already handled one great runner in Ezekiel Elliott, and now we're going to have another one in Dalvin Cook. And um, this game stands to, and Minnesota has, you know, has some pretty decent weapons. So uh, they're they're supposed to be a good team. So if we could come out of this game, imagine if we go into the bye week five and zero. 
Like, forget about everything, right? Forget about everything. We go into the bye week 5-0. and Seattle is certainly a front runner. Go figure the, the Green Bay Packers are doing the same thing, but, you know, that's a conversation, conversation for another time. Um, it's going to be a good game um, uh, against uh, Minnesota on Sunday night football. Um, we'll get back out here and talk about Minnesota um, on Friday. Um, and we'll do a little bit of analysis on that. Um, check out the SSU podcast. We should, that should be up tomorrow. Um, again, myself and Abe and the gang, um, going to do our belly aching for an hour. Hope you tune in and listen. Make sure you check us out. Uh, Seattle sports union podcast on iTunes on Podbean. Um, and, uh, check out short yardage. You can catch me on Spotify, Podbean, um, Apple podcasts. Um, you know, make sure you like and subscribe. That's going to be all for this episode. This is Robert English signing off. Go Hawks.